Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 9, 2017, 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. The share ID for yesterday, Monday, May 8th, for the 10 a.m. is 9917-9917. And for this morning, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, the share ID number is 9920-9920. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 37, paragraph 2 and 3. And today's readers are The 12 Steps, Beatrice Z C, The 12 Traditions, Patty F. Reading the text for us and being our support is Gina R., Sherry K.B., and John K. Over The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Beatrice C. to read the 12 steps. All righty. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Beatrice, a compulsive reader. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Beatrice C. I will now ask Patty F. to read the 12 Traditions. 
Hi, this is Patty. I'm a Postal Overeater. The 12 Traditions of AA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is the desire to stop drinking. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcohol who still suffers. Six, an AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, AA as such should never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Patty F., how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muting, muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 37. We'll read two paragraphs today starting with paragraph 2. You might think this extreme and that will be for context, paragraph three, ending with premeditation of the terrific consequences that might be will be for discussion and content. And I will ask Gina R. to please begin our study and discussion by reading. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service. And hello, everybody on the line, especially the newcomer. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Colorado. You may think this an extreme case. To us, it is not far-fetched, for this kind of thinking has been characteristic of every single one of us. We have sometimes reflected more than Jim did upon the consequences, but there was always the curious mental phenomenon that parallel with our sound reasoning, there inevitably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. Our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check, the insane idea won out. Next day, we would ask ourselves, in all earnestness and sincerity, how could it have happened? In some circumstances, we have gone out deliberately to get drunk, 
feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. But even in this type of beginning, we are obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happened. We now see that when we began to drink deliberately, instead of casually, there was little serious or effective thought during the period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. The word that is really jumping out at me here is premeditation in um, the paragraph that we are focusing our discussion on. And I am remembering uh, a meeting several years ago. It was actually a, an AA 12-step meeting, face-to-face meeting. And they had asked um, a, a woman to read who was almost illiterate. She had a really hard time reading. And she was always um, doing what are called malapropes, and that is you see one word, but you change one of the letters, and it becomes another word, and it's actually pretty hilarious because it's pretty close. And she could never say premeditation. She always said premedication. And in thinking about that this morning, I'm it 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 kind of fits. Um, when I would go on a spree with my food, I can remember actually having kind of like an out-of-body experience where I was watching myself having these thoughts about what I was going to eat. And today what I'm remembering is um, a period of about three months um, where pretty much the only thing I ate was Lucky Charm cereal and milk for every everything. I ate it all day long, and that was all I ate. And it it was the thing that was going to premedicate me because I I knew what the feelings were that were coming up, and that's how I would would handle it. But I would also have the sense of this thought that you shouldn't be doing this. Don't do it. Don't do it but I couldn't stop myself. It was only until I got into OA, and in particular, using the big book through a vision sponsor or a sponsor who happened to be in the vision phone line, that I understood that I was using food as a drug. I was allergic to it, and it created an allergic response in my body, and it that I had the mental obsession. So the premeditation now that I'm able to do is when I recognize I'm having those thoughts, I've got some tools in my toolkit that I can use. And I, more importantly, is I have a higher power that I can put my hand in, hold on, and let that higher power take me where I need to be, which is not in the food. And with that, I'm so grateful to be of service. And I Thank you, Gina R. We are sharing on paragraph three, page 37. Who would like to comment on that paragraph? Jackie B. from the Bronx. Jackie B. Courtney B. John K. Courtney and John. Kathleen O. Kathleen O. Rivka A. Rivka A. Charles D. 
Charles D. like David. Sounds like we got a lineup. I have Jackie B., Courtney B., John K., Kathleen O., Rivka A., and Charles D. Good morning, Jackie. Star good morning. Yes. Good morning. Can I be yeah. heard? This is Jackie B. Yes. from the Bronx. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, everyone, for your service, and thank you uh, for your read and your interpretation. I totally love what you said. Um, uh, I'm Jackie B. from the Bronx, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater one day at a time. Um, God, you know, no matter what, there's always a premeditation. I've been um, in the Bronx. I've been in recovery for 25 years, and it has not changed yet. That when I picked up, it was always there was always a bigger abstinent meal. There was always a um, justification for even in abstinence why I needed more food, why um, I had to eat it this way, why I would do it that way, until the time when I would say, "Wow, I'm not abstinent," and then I would finally admit it to my sponsor because, of course, I would never sp- admit it to my sponsors. I would give them what they wanted to hear because that's what I thought they wanted to hear. And either I would get caught either in a face-to-face meeting because my sponsor would see how heavy I got or um, my conscience finally got where it was. Uh, For me, um, come the 12th of this month, it'll be nine months that I've been clean and sober from the Vision for You AA Big Book way food plan where I am not doing the ingredients of any way, shape, or form that doesn't give me an obsession or a compulsion to eat one day at a time. So I'm grateful uh, because I now see it. I didn't see it before. Now I am totally at peace with my recovery, uh, my abstinence, my food plan, and working this uh, the big book way. Um, I work with a sponsee and I have a sponsor and I am so grateful. So wherever you're at, you know what? Honesty is the best policy. And with that, I'll uh, pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie B. Courtney B., you're next. This is Courtney from Northern California. Can you hear me? I can. Good. So... I've been listening to these meetings every morning about April 14th. My poor 96-year-old mom, she's been in the hospital in rehab, and she's dancing with death. I've been bringing my food to the hospital, bringing it every day to the rehab. She has to sell that. It's been a long drill. Very stressful, very tiring. Yesterday we brought her home because there's nothing more they can do for her. I, I get that. And I left, and I found myself in a fast food place in my car waiting, and I was going to binge. And I must tell you, God, I just, something, I just said, I don't want to do this. I'm looking for ease and comfort. That's what it is. And then I thought, but the meetings talked about the mental obsession, ease and comfort. And then I realized in the book it said, our roots are in new soil. And honest to God, you guys, I said, let's get out of here. 
And I pulled back. I took out, out of the line. I made a phone call, and my friend said, oh, Courtney, it's like you're drunk. You walked into a bar, and you walked out. And I said, I did, and I'm so grateful. And I thought, how wonderful. I get the ease and comfort, but I'm in new soil now. And so much of this is because I'm doing this book study with you guys. I do have a vision sponsor. We are working the steps. And I guess what I'm, I don't know. I'm just so grateful that, um, you know, in the past, I wouldn't have, I would have stayed and gotten all my crap food, binged, and who knows what would have happened. Who knows? It wouldn't be good. But somehow the sanity was there. And I'm just so forever grateful. So my thing is I just keep bathing my brain in recovery, surrendering to my dear God, surrender, surrender, and with that I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Courtney B. John Kay, you're next. Good morning. Um, my name is John Kiernan, recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles. Um, you know, I look at this section of the big book and I look at what I have highlighted from over these years and it's they're all essentially the same thing, you know. Um, uh, while this is, chapter is about the first step uh, for the most part, uh, they are really foreshadowing the concept of the insanity. You know, they're both showing that this is indeed a disease, but also talking about these are the symptoms. And part of the symptoms are the insanity of the disease, you know. And I think it was so, I'm sure it was so helpful to people from 1935 on to realize, wow, this isn't a moral thing. I have a disease. Just like people who have epilepsy, you know, in earlier days, they were thought to be possessed by demons. And then doctors went, no, they have a disease. And this happens to be the symptom. And, you know, when it comes to all these crazy things, I can't think of any of these. I mean, I had loads of them. In the middle of my relapse, I remember actually quoting the big book once as to why I went and ate the night before. Now, that insanity, I don't know what is, but I mention that because these crazy things don't go away once you become programmed. They morph. I always say this disease reminds me of the Andromeda strain, if you remember that book of movie. You know, it was a disease that kept changing, so you couldn't get you couldn't get ahead of it. And that's what this disease does. And in the middle of my, my uh, uh, relapse, I was using perfectly good program uh, slogans, you know, like, well, I have to enlarge my spiritual condition. Absolutely true, but not until you put the food down. I thought somehow I could jump that and find a way, because that's what my disease was doing, you know. I always say that my disease is like the world's best sale. You think about somebody who's a really good salesman, they're smooth and they're, they're likable and, 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 and they like their product. They know you like the product, which is food, and, and they're there 24-7. And they're also a salesman that can read your mind. So whatever you're going to say no to, they're ahead of. And my salesman was always just banging away trying to make that sale to get me to go eat. And the really evil thing is that if I did go eat, then that salesman put its arm, or hit its arm around me and said, hey, this is your idea, you know. No, it wasn't. I was going to meetings. I'm doing the work. I didn't want to eat. But at that exact moment, that, that craziness of the disease won out. And, you know, I need to just keep remembering that, that I needed to get the food down and then immediately turn and get into the steps. Because if I didn't enlarge that spiritual condition, I was going to eat again. And, you know, today, God knows, 22 years plus that, since 35 years in program, I don't want to eat today. But way more important, 
I don't want to want to eat today, and that's why I have to keep doing all this work. And somebody here says, and I'll wrap it up, you know, you can't uh, you can't get clean on yesterday's shower. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, John Kay. Kathleen, oh, it's your turn. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie. This is Kathleen O. Recovered in California. There was little serious or effective thought during the period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. And that reminds me um, on page 24, there is a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. You know, I would get nervous and upset. And because of that, I would put my hand on a hot stove. I mean, that's insane behavior. I have a, a history of gaining and losing large amounts of weight over and over prior to coming into 12-step recovery. And the binge food burned me over and over again. I couldn't remember what it did to me, but I always remembered what it did for me. And I couldn't remember the pain, I could, but I could remember the ease and comfort that would come at once by taking that bite. And you know, all action is born in thought. I would believe the lie, this time it would be okay. I'd only have a little, it won't hurt me having a little, but just like Jim, a little whiskey in his milk couldn't hurt, um, you know, I would have those suddenly moments. And without fail, that one little bite would set up the phenomenon of craving, and I'd be left without defense and off to the races. And what that translated to was gaining a lot of weight very quickly. So, you know, without fail, the food beat me, and it always won the race. It's a race that I need to remember to not even sign up for because I'm never going to win it. This disease is cunning, it's baffling, it's powerful, and it's very sneaky. It's patiently waiting to pounce. Um, I, you know, when I, go, when I can go through the day trying not to control the food, trying not to control people, reminding myself I'm not running the show, and when I stay out of the driver's seat because I always crash the car when I'm in the driver's seat, and saying to myself, many times each day that I will be done, I get freedom. I get freedom from myself. I get freedom from the food. And I go to bed, and it's a happy, happy end of the day. You know, I no longer have to fight anyone or anything. And, and I do that by enlarging on my spiritual life on a daily basis and practicing these principles and these steps. And I just want to end with, um, you know, nothing tastes as good as abstinence feels. And thank God for this solution. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen O. Rivka A, star one. Rivka A, star one. We'll come back to Rivka. Charles D., you want to step in? Yes, hi. This is Charles uh, D. from Oregon, recovered. Um, I'm really grateful to be able to share today. Um, I've, I've been struggling with food for over 40 years, so I, I know a lot about the insanity because um, as many times as I binged and overate, I, I swore off of, of doing it and then again back into it and 
initially it was to control my nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy. I mean, that's a that's a great list, and it can go on and on about uh, how I didn't like to be, how I didn't like myself, and how I didn't like to feel um, my emotions. So um, I thought that uh, food was a solution. Of course, it only made it worse. But um, my disease didn't want to hear that, or or couldn't hear it. My disease only thinks one way, and that is to um, eat until I, I can't eat anymore and then eat some more um, over and over again. And so um, my disease was not on my side. It was, uh, it was uh, destructive and uh, wanting me dead. Um, in any case, um, I'm really grateful to have uh, gotten um, so scared about where the disease was taking me. Um, my binges had gotten very, very bad at the end. Um, this was about a year and a half ago. And um, I, every one of them seemed to be closer to actually killing me um, during, um, during the binge. They would devastate me so much that I felt like I was um, going to have a heart attack or um, in some way wouldn't return to any sort of state of I would either be dead or insane in some way. So I, um, it scared me into um, doing more of the program. And um, thankfully, I'm not. I for a whole year now, I've been abstinent and um, haven't gotten to the to that place where the food thoughts have gotten me to um, seriously think about um, this is what I want, and and that's. That's a miracle to me that the program can can do that for me, and uh, I just want to continue to do that because I never want to go back to this that place where the disease gets into control and I become that zombie and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna destroy myself once more. So thank you very much. Thank you, Charles. The Rivka A, are you there? I think so. Can you hear me? Oh hi. I can. Hi, welcome back. Yeah, my phone just kind of goes to sleep and can't wake it up. So anyway, I'm here. So thank you so much for your service and for being patient and allowing me to slip in here. So my name is Rivka A. I'm a real compulsive overeater and uh, I am recovered. So I'm grateful for that. Um, I just want to share a bit on the paragraph that says, um, we have gone out deliberately to get drunk. I have gone out deliberately to pinch eat, uh, giving no thought about uh, what the consequences. I didn't care to know. I wasn't interested. It was about getting the fix right away. I needed that instant rush. Uh, I was feeling all these things that it talked about, the nervousness, the anger, the worry, depression, jealousy, and the like. Yeah, I, I was full of it. I was really full of it. But I, I, I just didn't feel that, um, you know, wasting, I thought, wasting time to wait on God to answer anything. I wasn't working a program, but I believed that there was a God. But in this case, with the food, you know, God could take a back seat on it. Um, I'll do the driving. Thank you so much. And um, so that's the way my life went. And, um, you know, it's like jumping out of an airplane, having the parachute, not listening to the instruction directions and how to use it. And uh, you're falling, falling, and uh, it's, it's increasingly getting fast, and the ground is coming up quickly. And you're saying, so far, so good. <laughs> you know, 
it's like not living in reality, you know, it's going to strike. It may not happen right away. It's just like baking um, bread. You throw the yeast in it and uh, it takes time to rise. It takes time to get bigger. And so does my disease. It's progressive. It's not an overnighter. It's, it's cunning, baffling, powerful. And you know that happened with me. It finally caught up. I finally got the message. I finally realized that I was in a place of desperation. I'd been cornered. I had been mastered. I had been controlled by something that I thought I had control over. Um, You know, and I finally had to give up, give up living in dishonesty and and sneaking around and, uh, you know, getting this gratification because I wasn't ready to feel the feelings without the food. I wasn't ready for it until I became desperate and cornered and out of control. I, you know, step one, my life was, was unmanageable. I was powerless, but I, I had to come crawling in and I had to admit that I needed help. I needed to ask for help. I needed to sponsor. I needed to work the steps. I needed to do So all of that and, and then working it on a daily basis after having gone through it, continue to work it, you know, um, spiritual maintenance. Uh, is far better than physical maintenance. Uh, Physical maintenance is pretty good, but um, spiritual is much, much better. So uh, I think I'll just kind of stay in the ring here, and um, I'm grateful to be abstinent today, another day, and uh, that I can share. And, uh, you know, I just came from an event just a little while ago before this meeting started, and as soon as I looked at my watch, I thought, oh, I'm just in time to get back to the house, and thank you, I hear you, and and to get back and, and do this meeting, so I'm totally grateful. So thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful abstinent day, and um, yeah, all the best. Take care. Thank you, Ribka A., and just for a brief moment, I'll interrupt our sharing with the convention promo, please. We are indeed hosting a convention this year, Just the Way a Vision for You Likes It, The Power of the Big Book, a weekend of inspiration, education, motivation, and fellowship. Want to make sure that you've registered to claim your seat. Don't gamble on this one. September 15th, 16th, and 17th, 2017, at the Liberty International Airport Marriott Hotel and Convention Center. All the details that you need can be found on the website at www.avisionforyou.info. It's easy, breezy, go there, we want to see you. Now let's get back to this compelling big book study and sharing. Who would like to comment on paragraph 3, page 37? Roz G. Hey, Roz. Gotcha. Hi, Terry H. Got you. Anybody else? Okay, Roz, you're up. Good morning. Good good morning, Melanie. Uh, this is Roz G., recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles, and um, had to call in sick from work today, so I'm home with a cold, and um, so, you know, glad that I could share on the meeting at this, this time meeting. Uh, well, um, my one of the problems that I um, have with my jealousy and nervousness is family gatherings. I, um, I, I, I feel nervous and jealous when it's time for a family gathering um, because I have some experiences of where family members made comments about my single status and my weight. Um, 
And letting that go was hard for me. I, I would re, I, re, I, I built a huge resentment on a step uncle. And um, so whenever it was time for a family gathering, um, I would eat enough to, um, you know, knock me out. Um, I would, whatever foods were on the table that would, you know, support my disease, I, I'll just put it like that, would get me in a, in a, in a food fog and a, in a stupor. And I would fall asleep on the couch so that I wouldn't have to deal with anybody. And now that I'm recovered and Mother's Day is coming up, um, it's, I've been praying and meditating because I've learned um, that I can, I can ask God through prayer and meditation on how to handle different things. And the ninth step ask, you know, tells us to ask for strength and direction on how to handle situations. And um, this time, uh, instead of, you know, deliberately thinking, okay, I'll just head right for the mac and cheese if it's there on Mother's Day. Um, my plan is to not even go to the family gathering. My plan with God is to lovingly tell my mother, you know, spend time with my mother one-on-one, spend time with my children one-on-one, and have an abstinent Mother's Day. So I don't have to get into the family madness and get nervous, uh, feel resentment, feel depressed afterwards about what I eat, and feel jealous of some family members um, that I, that it's ridiculous. Um, but I'm actually, though, all of those character defects there, I'm, I'm working on. I'm in my first year of recovery. So I think it's um, pretty good that I'm at least willing to change. As the big book tells us, we have to have a psychic change. And I don't have to do things the way I did them. Perhaps I'll get strong enough someday that I will be able to go to family gatherings and not experience those feelings. But um, right now, I'm recovering through those feelings, recovered compulsive overeater, and learning how to live life on life's terms. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Roz G. Terry H. Hi, thank you. My name is Terry H., a recovered compulsive eater in North Carolina. Um, Same, some insanely trivial excuse. Um, In my disease, I had all kinds of insane ideas, excuses, rationalizations, and behaviors, just like Jim. Um, I definitely identify in with Jim and his story. Thanks, Jim, for your experience, strength, and hope. You know, for 15 months, um, I was abstinent um, from my uh, binge foods and my food behaviors. However, I was still crazy and insane. Um, I wasn't working with a sponsor or working the steps or anything. I was just um, every day white knuckling it. And um, eventually, the insane idea went out on me, and I succumbed to my disease again. And I was at that door of life and death, definitely. And I heard, um, I finally, you know, made that decision that I wanted to live and asked somebody to sponsor me and work through the steps with me. And I heard a fellow in the program talk about um, the gap between the thought and the action on the thought. And I know when I was in my disease, there was no gap at all. It was the thought and then the action to binge or purge or restrict. And that's what it was. But when I was, when I was able to put my foods down and my food behaviors down and start working the steps, there was a gap. At first, it was very minute and very, very small. But as I continued to work the steps, You know, I had some clarity 
and um, some ideas and some things that I could use to continue to widen that gap. And when I worked through those steps, all of them, all 12 of them, and had my had a exper- spiritual experience with my higher power, the gap continued to widen between the thought and the action to the thought. And I remember that constantly, you know, always. I really like that scenario. And every day today, as a, as a recovered woman, I am constantly, you know, in connection with my higher power because I am powerless. I cannot do this myself. You know, I definitely have surrendered to my higher power. I surrendered over and over, and I surrender each day. My powerless and my inability to do this. Um, I have, you know, a constant contact with my higher power today. You know, and, and I do the best I can each day to just to widen that gap. And I know if I don't, if I don't, and there's an irritation or there's a thought, then there's a chance that I will succumb to my disease and relapse again. And for me, that's to die, most definitely, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And so, you know, I'm very grateful today to be alive. I'm very grateful that I have these tools and the steps and the, and the program and the fellowship and um, just to to be here, to be of maximum service. And um, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Terry H. Opening it up again for more discussion. It looks like time will allow for probably at least four more shares. Judy P. Sylvia. Sylvia. I hear Judy P. I hear Sylvia F. And I hear Sherry K. B. One more maybe, huh? Reggie O. Hi, Reggie. We'll got gotcha. you. Okay, and if, more, if there's more time, I'll open up. But let's go with those four right now. Hey, Judy P., Sylvia F., Sherry K. B., and Reggie O. Hi, Judy. Hi, thanks so much, Judy, compulsive overeater from Central New Jersey, and very grateful um, to be able to be on the line today. You know, when I think about the premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be, I don't remember really ever having uh, bad thoughts. Because in my mind, when, you know, I instantly went from I'm not going to eat to I'm eating, I always told myself, um, it's okay, Judy, you're going on a diet tomorrow. Then you're going to be thin and you're going to be happy. So like when I was binging, I got joy because in my delusional mind, it was okay. I was going on a diet tomorrow. And, of course, I equated being on a diet, getting thin, being happy, and life would be wonderful. So um, I, I just never gave it the thought of, of, of all the crap that was going to happen to me, you know, all that, you know, really just the humility of being morbidly obese. And, um, and so I pray that I remember those feelings, although I know it's not enough to keep me in recovery uh, and it has to come from my continual work. And, um, you know, just feeling a lot of gratitude today, um, you know, in meeting a friend for lunch and uh, not in program, but she's known me from before. And, you know, my premeditation has to be, I know what I'm ordering when I go there. And, you know, I have four and a half years, but I got to tell you, I still practice in my head sometimes over and over exactly what I'm saying to the waitress. 
Uh, for some reason, it still causes me a little bit of angst that I think they're not going to do it or whatever. I don't get obsessive about it. I just state exactly what I need. And uh, and 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 letting go of the fear that, you know, I don't all the time, but, you know, I'm bringing my own salad dressing because it's just easier. And I actually like mine better than I make. And, um, you know, the program teaches me that I have to put my recovery first no matter what. And I can't let fear or, you know, just caring what anybody else will think. Um, so my premeditation has to be how am I taking care of myself today for my recovery? And, uh, you know, I just can't pick up. And I tell you, every time I go to put on the timer and as soon as I start talking, it's gone uh, because I don't abide by it. And I'm really sorry about that. Um, so just feeling a lot of gratitude today, looking to grow spiritually every day. I know that's the answer. Um, God showed me recently, and I have no idea how, how to kind of change my schedule around. That just makes my life more manageable with everything. And um, anyway, thanks all for being here, and I'll pass. Thank you, Judy P. Sylvia F. Your turn. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. This is Sylvia F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in California. Um, and good morning to all you visionaries. I'm so happy to be on the line with you today. I love that um, in this program, uh, Jim not only had the experience, but he shared the experience because it's what makes me know, it's what gives me hope that I can understand my craziness. And when I came into program, uh, I realized I didn't start my timer, I'm sorry. Uh, When I came into program, I had no idea why I was eating. And the big book for the early part of the big book of the doctor's opinion certainly goes over the physical allergy. And that was the easier part to understand for me is that I obviously had to put sugar down and I had to put flour down. There were things that for me, uh, salty, crunchy in a bag had to, had to go down because those were these things that once I started eating, I couldn't stop eating. But, you know, here's where we get into the part of, you know, the, the, craziness of the thinking and the amnesia and for me you know when we say we're recovered it doesn't mean for me that I'm never going to have a food thought and I'm never going to be crazy and I'm never going to try and get amnesia what it means for me is that I I can see the warning signs um, and I, I didn't see them I you know like everybody else described I I could be driving down the road before I was recovered, I could be driving down the road and I could be pulling in to the mini mart, which was my version of a liquor store and walking down the aisle and buying things. And it'd be an out of body experience. I wouldn't even know that I had planned it. I wouldn't know why I was doing it. I didn't know. I knew I had no control over it. And so, um, so what the steps and the program have done for me is it, it, it lets me see when I'm out of sorts and out of connection with a higher power. And what it is, is I've, I've disconnected from myself and from God. And so um, the way I know it now is that, uh, like, we, uh, we were out last night and um, we, we were sitting with another couple and they were talking. And I kept on looking at the the salty crunchy stuff up on the bar we, we were playing bocce ball at some place and I kept on looking at that 
And I had to actually pray to be focused on the people that were at the table with me. And, um, and that told me that I have some work to do. And, and so I, I came home, I did some writing. I, you know, I got to figure out what was bugging me before I act on it. And, um, so I get to do the work and thank God I get to have my neutrality back. It's not that I'm going to pick up and binge. I want the neutrality. Thank you. I want the neutrality around food. That is the gift. That's the promise that I want. And that's what I get to experience. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sylvia. I appreciate it. Sherry KB, you're up next. And we'll follow by Reggie O. Good morning, Melody. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader. Thanks for your service, Melanie. Um, you know, in this paragraph that we're focusing on, um, I noticed that justified, justification, insanity, insanely, deliberately, um, and um, deliberate are in here a couple of times. And so to me, this is the definition of the mental illness, of my mental illness, because, you know, I justify when I get upset and blame somebody for something that happened, I justify going to eat. Um, I, I don't think normal people do that. Um, and I'm a true compulsive eye reader. So in my mind, I justify why I'm going to go eat. Or even some that's premeditated, I have no idea why I'm doing it. Next thing I know, I'm face down in the food. And I don't even know how I got there, as was talked about before. Um, and I know that part of my disease is restless, irritable, and discontent, like it talks about in the doctor's opinion on Roman numeral 28. And then 29, it talks about because of the ease and comfort that I get. And what I realize in my disease is that I am addicted to ease and comfort. And so I need to find the ease and comfort someplace else. Otherwise, I will continually to be face down in the food. So what do I need to do? I need to get in this book. I need to get with a power greater than myself that will give me ease and comfort and turn to the steps and know what to do when I'm restless, irritable, and discontent or when I'm ready to blame or I'm jealous or I'm, you know, feeling depressed or anger or wanting to blame. I need to get my nose back in this book, find out what's going on with me, do a 10th step, find out where I'm, uh, you know, resentful, how did I get the ball rolling, uh, restless, irritable, discontent, um, to take care of those things um, for myself with my higher powers help and with these steps, I have a chance. Otherwise, I'll say in the mental twist, uh, in the mental obsession. And, um, you know, and my my disease will tell me it's it's not that big of a deal. Um, you know, I'm okay. I'm different. I'm I'm not as bad as you. Um, I've got this one. All this stuff, all this all this justifying, explaining, defending. Um, that I do, um, it keeps me in the food. And if I stay in this book and I stay connected to a power greater than myself, it keeps me out of my disease one day at a time. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Reggie, oh, you'll be our final share today. Good morning. Hey, good morning. And thanks for thanks so much for your service and everybody that's on the on the call this morning. I uh, boy, this is that I'm just so grateful to be here and listen to all the sharing. And um, you know it. I could relate to at least a, a good portion of what everybody on the phone said this morning. And, um, you know, in looking at this, I think, you know, the disease as it works for me is it, it, it really wants me to, to to do something different or be in a different place than wherever I am. You know, it doesn't want me to be in the present, doesn't want me to 
feel what I'm feeling. It wants me to feel something different and go someplace else. And, you know, just reading this paragraph, it reminds me, you know, the word insanity, I think, was used in the in the paragraph before that. And I, it took a long time, many years in program for me to get the insanity of the disease. But, you know, for, first of all, in some instances, we've gone out deliberately to get drunk, to, you know, to get drunk with food. Uh, I, uh, now that in itself, given the decades of history that I have in this program and knowing where it has taken me, that I would continue to do that, to go out deliberately because I was nervous, angry, depressed, jealous, afraid, whatever it was to eat, uh, that, that, that totally is insane because, you know, the, the truth is I always, you know, the, the, the disease would say, oh, you know, it'll be all right this time or something of that nature, or I wouldn't even think of it. Uh, but the consequences were that, you know, I would never know when it would kick in and take hold and take root and take me out of my life, you know, for for however long. <clears throat> and um, and so then the other part of that is the, that mental twist that where, I, you know, where there's not even any thought or deliberation or involved except, you know, got to go do it. And... Um, and you know it's it's just amazing to me because there is the the only it is a consistency of being with a different way you know it's like I was powerless over that and you know and I still am powerless over that uh, over that happening in my brain although I'm you know it gets it continues to grow and get better I'm not immune from I'm not immune to it but I do have this program and I. You know, I'm grateful to be able to hear this message every single morning, live, loud, and clear, as well as having the book, and as well as, you know, 10, 11, and 12, which take me to places that I get to do differently, where I get to be present in my life, I get to meet life, you know, and actually uh, live rather than running or avoiding what's happening in front of me, and uh, so I just want to, you know, just express my gratitude and also for the 10th step, the 11th step and, you know, and, and t- carrying the message because in carrying the message as well, I, I get to remember it. And it's a very good feeling to pass this message along to others who are still suffering. And uh, and I'm grateful for all the times, you know, the many people who keep passing it along to me and grateful to be on the road with all of you. And I pass for that. Thank you very much, Reggie O. And thank you to everyone that shared today. It is time to close our meeting, and we will close with a reading from the big book on page 164, and then we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Will you, Sherry KB, please read A Vision for You? A book is meant to be suggestive only. Our, Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.